0: Said, a cartoonist's unique and distinct conversations with people in comics, cartooning, and beyond.
1: So I rejected my own ink exam. Comics was booming! It was all hands on deck.
2: You were going to be a cop. I was going to be a cop. I would have been a damn good cop. It's almost like if you watched The Little Mermaid and then you had to interview Ariel.
3: Right. Storyboarding storyboarding's so complex. There's, there's always room for exploration and, and growth.
2: Everybody started a webcomic in
1: 2000
3: i wasn't as good as i thought i was
1: oh yeah i like to be on the side of righteousness i, I just dwell on these things and sure. the only healthy way to unleash that is if i turn it into something positive like a comic
0: i'm just the guy sitting there pissing on the on the fence seeing if he's gonna get this pecker stuff, zap. Said, stuff, said. stuff said a unique podcast available at stuffsaidshow.com and iTunes.
4: This is
1: uh, the tail end of our Ink studs uh, Portland road trip. It's been a fun five days. I'm sitting here with Joseph Bergen. Hello. Simon (laughs) Rouois. Louis. uh, Pharrell Dalrymple. This is the sound of my voice. uh, Brendan O'Graham. What up? Claire Gibson.
4: Hello.
1: Milana Barbarossa. Barbosa. Barbosa. Whatever. (laughs) And and Sanderlands. Yep. Um, We've all been hanging out a lot together these last five days. Uh, One of the things that Brandon really wanted to do on this trip is at some point do a roundtable about Brandon's comic. Well, not Brandon's comic. Rob Liefeld's comic. Yeah, keep together, Rob. Profit. Um, Now, this may be a little too uh, inside baseball. I don't know. No, it's not. Um... Is it free advertising for the uh, guy on the show? Oh, what are you talking about? Nothing. It being... you <laughs> talked about your own comic on the road trip that you've been on.
3: Well, no, it is self-serving, but, like, yeah. reasonably so. Yeah, yeah. Reasonable.
1: So, um... Brandon has been talking about... Brandon and I have been talking about doing a roundtable about profit. Uh, part of our trip all are in Portland was we did a thing at Floating World on Friday night. A uh, little signing that... Uh, handful of wonderful people came down to um, to celebrate the last issue of the main volume of Prophet that Joseph, Simon,
5: Farrell, and Brandon have all been heavily involved in. And Yanni. I was gonna say We're gonna do a seance and get Yanni here from, uh, from, from, from the Greek Isles where he's currently in Ghost. We would love
1: to have Yanni here. Maybe we should have tried to bring him up on Skype in the background.
5: Yeah. I guess
1: it's too late. It's we could like, pause it and we
4: could no, no, we we can make that It's now. like Go 5 in the morning and that's right now. Yeah.
1: So Yanni, your presence is missing. We miss you. Um, But we're gonna pretend (laughs) you're working hard on pages for Earth War, even though you're probably off at Marvel doing something. Hard on pages. Uh, (laughs) So maybe to start talking about profit is kind of give a little bit of background of. This is so weird. I feel like. There's, like, an audience here because there's, like, seven of us in this
4: room. And we're you can hear the din. There's eight of us. The yeah, the door.
1: vegan restaurant. Of course we're in Portland. It's a fucking vegan restaurant <laughs> next door. And then around the corner is a craft
0: brew place. And... This episode sponsored by Portobello and Beer Mongers. There we go.
1: Yeah, Beer Mongers. Can we get a more Portland name for a beer place? <laughs> um, no, I lost my train of thought. Um, maybe, like, kind of... That idea of you were approached by Image uh, to reboot this horrible uh, image. Extreme comic. I, don't, I don't remember Rest you. Uh,
5: I don't remember you starting off with life the same way. You're right, because
1: I respect him.
5: Uh, he's a fun guy.
1: Um, he's a he is a gentleman. Sorry, it was uh, not exactly along the line of work. Well, let's we just
5: say let's let's go with that that. There was a comic book in the 90s which was very much in the line of what was
0: successful in the 90s. It was a product of its times.
5: Well, it was a, it was a superhero, you know, it was, it's, the original prophet is very much uh, Liefeld taking, in my impression, is very much him taking his love for OMAC and his, and his belief system and, and piling them together into a comic book that was, uh, you know, excitement for teenage boys and not not the house of comics that I was coming for at a time and not really the type of not at all the type of comics that I do or did when they asked me to if I wanted to be involved in profit.
1: Did you have any reservations or did you just jump in it?
5: And- oh I had total reservations because you know, I don't I don't do work for hire for the most part. I I uh, I don't do superhero comics. Um, I, uh, originally I think they offered it to Stoko, which I don't think I ever talk about then.
1: In <laughs> but, um... So they want to take a biblical comic and make it a comic about penises?
5: Yes.
0: So he actually was infusing his... I mean, I remember there being Bible stuff in it, but I didn't realize that was his own, like... Was he, like, trying to proselytize or something? Well, his dad's a pastor. Oh, oh no right. kidding. No. And I think no, the
5: right. idea was that he... his. The way that I that I read or heard uh, Lightful discuss it is that his idea was that um, was that um, the Bible was essentially like reading a Jack Kirby comic. Just this, this like fire and brimstone um, comic, and I think he he found interest in that and wanted to bring it to his own comic book. And there's a there's a long history of superhero guys. There's this like. Uh, companies will always talk about the more, most pitches they ever get are war with heaven pitches. It's just like kids get taught that this is the greatest story ever told. And they're just like, well, let's do part two, you know? So, so I certainly understand where it was coming from. Were you given kind of free reign right off the bat? That was, that was it as I was, I was incredibly skeptical. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Eric Stevenson, and Joe Keating was always already working on Glory at the time for the, for the relaunch. And I talked to him and, and Eric Stevenson about it in a bar in Seattle. And, and, uh, and it was really like you've got complete and total freedom to do whatever you want. And, and I had a day to just think about it. And, um, and kind of wandered around a convention. And uh, my friend Moritat, who used to do foreign assistant for, work for, well I left my sketchbook at a table. Uh, came back and he'd written "profit" in big white letters across the sketchbook, and uh, and was I was with the
0: like PH or a FIT No, it was the the <laughs> comics
5: of "profit" because that was another joke too. But but um, doing
1: it for the profit.
5: Yeah, so so I so I joked that like oh I had to take the book or else get a new sketchbook, and uh, and uh, um, um, spacing on her name Mrs. Steve Rolston. Oh, uh, Sabina. Right, Sabina, of course. Uh, Sabina made the joke that uh, I couldn't resist the pun of not taking a job for the profit. Because also it was like a steady paying job when I was um, kind of unsure about what my next steady paying job was going to be. Now, one of the important things about profit
1: and the reason we're kind of sitting here in a room of bros together. um, (laughs) Let's put it out there.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, the, the guys in the room
4: that are...
0: In a tattoo shop. Yeah. tattoo yeah. shop. <laughs>
1: um, putting your dream team together and um, did, how did you know uh, Simon was the guy for you so quickly?
5: Well, I, I think that was actually Joe's idea, Keating's idea. Um, because initially, what, what another one of my reservations is I don't... Uh, when somebody says to me, do you want to do a comic, it means to me, do you want to write, draw, color, and letter a comic? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never really seriously considered working collaboratively with anyone, even though I had for a little short things, but I, I didn't really enjoy it. And, uh, and it was Joe who was like, Why don't you get Simon involved? And, and Simon I'd met uh, probably just a couple of months before that.
3: Yeah, or two, sometime 2009.
1: All right. Had you guys already worked together on that
5: film? Yeah, no. You, oh, yeah, you yeah, and Claire. I guess we had yeah, we worked didn't. in 2010. Okay, yeah. So I'd met Simon at the book release party for his Yan's Atomic Heart book which was published by Ed Brisson, The Letters Profit. Also known as The Briss. Also known as The Briss. And um, and me and Simon uh, bonded very quickly over our mutual love of science fiction and and ended up hanging around talking that whole day after your signing. And uh, yeah. and then later on, and Simon's a lot younger than me. You're, what, 25, 25 now? So you
1: would have been 22 or 23 when you started on Profit?
5: Yeah, something like that. And that was a big thing for me as I really wanted to hire uh, young, young artists at the beginning.
3: Because initially, my,
5: I called Simon and I was like, what are you doing this summer?
3: <laughs> yeah, and I was, uh, I was coming home, or no, I was, I was planning to spend the summer living in Calgary. And I had just finished, uh, I was going to be working for a, a, like a house painting company. And I just finished like a, the, the month beforehand of going door to door and like, drumming up sales. I was just like kind of stealing myself for a summer of house painting but so, no yeah
5: but it was really this idea of like you could either do that or do this and and there's no I was really trying to sell them on the idea of like eh, how bad could it be because I had no idea what would what it would become and it might be a job that was never published and um and and uh and I knew that Simon was in a position where he wasn't going to have that much time to do his own work, doing a summer jobs. So this would be a better summer job, hopefully. And uh, and and we'd had a really good time. Me and him and Claire had all worked on a on a film called Clockwork Girl. That I don't know if it came out or came out in. I think it came out in Malaysia. Very, it's
3: it's out on pay per view, like on some U.S. networks. Planned. No, I think it's
1: only a Canadian
2: network. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway.
3: That, that like that job wasn't particularly
5: important. In concept, as much as much. Me and and Simon spent a lot of time on that job talking to Claire about other types of jobs we would like to do.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's about right. And reading. And there's a lot of stuff for me listening to Claire, uh, just like. She was reading through an H.G. Wells book as part of the job. Yeah. And just, like, describing all the strange, amazing, racist... The incredible racism in (laughs) the sleeper
2: awakes. Yeah. I remember reading that aloud to you and then running and shutting the uh, sliding doors so that none of the other, uh, none of the animators would hear what I was reading because it it just made us look so terrible, but...
5: Uh Oh, and I should qualify that Claire is, uh, is a writer who I initially, originally met because my wife, Marion Churchland, and her were BFFs since, uh, since they were in um, uh, Narnia private school together.
2: I wish. No, yeah, we were in private school. Together. <laughs> right, you guys were. were we were BFFs. Yeah. Right, were you guys. Gryffindor, Riffin- right? No, how dare you.
5: Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw, sorry. Um, and, and Claire. Slytherin? Claire, Marion, and their and friend Sloan Long are now working on a, uh, on a book for Image Comics called From Under Mountains and I'm very excited about. We'll see that in a long time.
2: January. Oh, okay. Yeah.
5: It's not. In theory, in
2: theory,
5: January. <laughs> yeah, and Sandra sitting here also did work for the um, for the profit strike file number one that's coming out soon. So this is a big room of. Uh, so
1: me and your sister are the only people in the room that haven't done anything for profit.
5: Right, right. Oh
1: no, Claire didn't do anything for profit. No, no, but no. we're but me, are technically <laughs> kind of. A, I'm
5: verging on editor for their project, but I don't even know what my real job is. I I know them. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna
1: bring us back to profit. Okay. Um, now coming on uh, three issues with Simon and his friend colorist Richard Ballerman. Yeah. Ballerman. Yeah. Ballerman.
5: But also, we didn't when initially when it came when when I talked to Simon, at all
3: we weren't talking about what issues we would do, how many issues we would do, or yeah. I think it was because like I knew I would have, I had the summer to work on it, and then I had my last year of art school, so. That was kind of, we managed to get the first two issues done that summer, and then I rushed to finish the third issue over first semester of uh, my last year. I remember that. And the
1: pencils reflect that on some of the pages? No. <laughs> Maybe a little, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a
5: huge fan of, of Simon's work on issue three. Me too. Yeah. those were fun. fun was I think it was
3: impressive work. And I, we had
5: a really fun time
3: doing those first couple of issues. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I remember I went to, before I went to Calgary... I came to Vancouver and uh, we worked out. I think we were like the first issue, we did a lot of it like right there with each other. And then I think the second issue, you laid out mostly. And the third issue, maybe too. I think we kind of did back and forth the third issue because I remember yeah. you
5: having some very specific ideas and me messing with the page layouts sitting back. Yeah, yeah. So it became
3: very collaborative on that front.
1: Did you have reservations about continuing with Profit or were you up for it for a long haul?
3: Um, I was up for it, but I just wasn't able to do it with all the stuff I was doing for school. Like, it was um, it was kind of ideal because it gave me space to like visually play with science fiction ideas that I'd been thinking about and working on, but didn't have the time to really explore. So Profit kind of gave me a space to get to... Get weird and get into all sorts of I don't know evolutionary history, science fiction shit. Which is because awesome.
5: Simon's almost if Crawford really has an editor past Stevenson kind of initially starting the book, then it would definitely be Simon for yeah. for kind of reining in my. I feel like I'm always leaning towards, and then a space unicorn shows up and he's like, "Listen, you asshole, <laughs> this would not work." And but but early on there was a bunch of ideas that I was trying to. I felt like I was trying to write a comic. Closer to Simon's work, uh, which is much more closer to reality than my work. It's like hard sci-fi. Yeah, and and you were, and a lot of things were kind of, like the doll mantle that the, the John Prophet, the first John Prophet gets, Yeah, New Father. I remember specifically uh, going back and forth with Simon about that because I had just finished King City and didn't want another sidekick animal that can do anything. But I was like, oh, it's so fun. Yeah. I animal like this. Because <laughs> there was a little bit of that where I was trying to do a comic for you and you were trying to do a comic for me. It was real cute. Yeah. So there's <laughs> things like the cutaway stuff that we were saying, yeah. like, oh, you did this kind of yeah. thing in King City. And, and I was like, but we're going gonna, to got gonna darker and harsher. I'm going to talk yeah. to you on only this voice. <laughs> <laughs> we just said cannibalism
3: a lot the whole time, yeah.
5: too. Oh, we were really into the... A lot of ideas never made it in. We were really into the idea of all this like slavery and cannibalism being done as really commonplace and not being surprising to anything. And, and it became so casual that a lot of it didn't even make it into the book. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Just an underlying you know, layer of uh, cannibal mulch. Yeah, but you like guys, of
1: the, right off the bat you guys were challenging the the limits of what you were supposed to be allowed to do. Because I remember um, it being a rob while property, there were certain things you couldn't do, right? Like you couldn't have...
5: Oh, they didn't want us to have swearing and they didn't want us to have nudity in the beginning because and I, and I understood it. They, they wanted the idea was that this wanted to reach all possible audiences, and they wanted to, to click with retailers. And I think very quickly, they realized that profit uh, gained a very specific audience that doesn't care if we have nudity or swearing in it. So yeah. was it the first issue or the second issue that you had the vagina monster?
3: That was the first issue. Yeah. Well, and I like
5: That's not technically nudity. That's just a vagina.
3: Yeah, with the implication <laughs> of, of intercourse. But like, I, I tried to, there's a few, like in the second issue, there's a few, like, there's, there's one particular panel of John Prophet climbing through a window and interrupting two aliens mid coitus that I don't think anybody notices. Oh, and that with like, a string of drool going from a breast, yeah, from an alien breast to like a yeah. to like some insect mouth parts. There's a couple, and actually, there's a story of mine
5: that eventually ran in uh, I collected it in the, in the multi war history and was in a conflict legal defense fund thing of barbarian revenge, uh, which. Uh, initially I, when the issue, when me and Simon had done the first issue, at one point I was actually going to be coloring it. Yeah. But Stevenson uh, rightly thought that my coloring was a little too, kind of cartooned it up. I'm very pastel in that. And, yeah. uh, and then I was like Simon, colorist. And he was like, oh
3: my friend Richard. Yeah. Which was really good because he, because like he lives in Calgary and I was there at the time so we both like, we actually worked together a lot which was nice. So yeah. like he'd come over to the house or I would go over to his house and I'd work on stuff and he'd work on the coloring. And there was some stuff like in the second issue, we spent a long time trying to figure out how to do like giant energy shields, mm-hmm. which was really nice to like brainstorm. And then we finally were like, oh, let's just copy the Phantom Menace. And then <laughs> he took that and went you know, a little further oh, and made it better.
5: Um, oh, what I was gonna say, so the, the, the um, when the first issue came back, uh, I didn't realize that we had more pages than, than we'd done art for. Mm-hmm. And I'm really not a big fan of ads in comics, because essentially you don't you're asked to fill the page for a printed ad for something. And so I frantically like worked to fill the pages, and I drew the map that's in the back of the first issue, which is, has a big mistake in it, because you know, the one of the things is in the wrong place on the map. But whatever. And I, I put my Barbarian Revenge two page spread in two page comic in there because I had it, and that one is just a guy carrying a naked woman on his shoulder. And that one, they were just like, maybe not in the back of the first issue, some nudity <laughs> right yeah. away. And so that, that one got pulled out, and I, I think there was a couple, and they, they were really, the first couple issues, they were really into having a couple pages of ads in there to at least let people know that it was a line and all these things. And I was, you know, it's, it was less my book, and uh, so I was, you know, okay, and we've, I've kind of been pushing against that for all, and now, and now there's no ads. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, pretty it's early on, there's no to ads. To the point
1: where the credits
5: from the back cover which is something I got from Stevenson's *No Men*, seeing that and realizing that was a huge epiphany for me. Like, oh my God, we don't have to run the credits on the inside front cover because it's just like, it's it just seems like so counterproductive to the excitement of a comic. Oh, let's open up page one. Oh, who's the you know who's the best boy of this movie? Tell me that first. <laughs> yeah, and not and I don't mean to imply that I don't think that us working on the booker is important, but I don't. I feel like. Be impressed by the work first and then we'll talk about it. the credits is nice too. I just open just having the having the inside front cover be different from what it's always been in almost every comic I've ever read. Right? It's just exciting.
1: Now, for yeah. those three issues, was it done with an expectation that like this might be all we can do, so let's just get this in there and see. I don't
5: even think we were at that point in our thinking. Yeah, that's it's even too much uh, yeah. We were basically just like, okay, well you're going to school, let's do that. we were it was it was all too weird, really. Yeah, I've, there's a couple points in my life where I've gotten jobs where I'm just like, "Well, this is going to be a fun story," but who knows if it'll ever happen. And profit sticked in a way that was kind of beyond consideration. And um, and when Simon went off to school, we kind of. Uh, frantically, and I realized that Image Wanted expected it to be an ongoing series. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember having conversations where I was just like, alright, we'll just do like three issues a year, and then just like put out three more issues, just completely thinking that that was okay. <laughs> at, a, at a publisher that was known for doing almost entirely monthlies. Um, and uh, and we kind of frantically, me and Simon both knew Yanni. Yeah. And... Uh, but Yanni wasn't the first person. No, right? no, Yanni wasn't. Of course not. But, um... So, yeah, I mean, I'd always, that, I guess that was another thing, is Conan was a really big discussion point always with Profit, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of barbarian feeling pulp comic, and I've always felt that, I always compare Conan to Wolverine, and say that, like, anyone should be able to pull off a decent Wolverine comic, because it's the simplest, um, you know, it's it's like the... It's like the toast and jam of comics. Like it's it's the boiling water of comics. Like how do you screw that up? <laughs> you burn. How do you ruin tea? Because um, it's like Wolverine. You know exactly what you want. You just like, you know, I'm the best there is at There is what I do, Bub. You know, I got I got I got a rough pass. I don't quite remember it. But Conan is a complicated character when done right, because he's supposed to appear a big brutish dumb guy who's actually like a military genius and and uh, and not particularly warm as a character but but with a really strict code that varies between creators working on everything. So 70s and 80s Conan are a really big cornerstone for me in, in relation to Prophet and I don't think many people could pull that off very well and I felt the same way about what we were trying to do. I, very early on I would sell it as like Space Conan and be like we're trying to oak out Conan Conan and so Farrell was really the only artist that I could think of off the top of my head that I thought was in line with what I wanted from Simon. Because I've always felt like Farrell and me have been friends for 15 years or so now. And I've always regarded, when I, when I first discovered Simon's work, a lot of it reminded me of Farrell in, in a really positive way. And, uh, and so I, I contacted Farrell not, probably not expecting me to... Because I, I was talking about earlier, like I initially my plan was hire young people because they're not in the middle of doing these big books, and Farrell is older than me.
0: Who's <laughs> <laughs> the oldest guy? In there. Sure. Yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the youngest looking? Well, how do, do you remember how that came about? Um, I don't remember uh, exactly you approaching me with it, but I remember you introducing me to Simon, showing me his work, mm-hmm. and saying you telling me that. Uh, his stuff reminded you of mine, and uh, pitching it to me about the Conan in space thing, and I'm a big Jemusema Conan fan, uh, Jemusema fan, and
5: uh, oh, and that Jorge Cifino issue.
0: Oh yeah, and the Jorge Cifino Conan issue that he did, Sever Sword of Conan. Um, yeah, and I don't know if I actually saw your art from that, uh, or I just saw Yansutama's art. Or what? But uh, I remember being really impressed and inspired by the concepts and ideas behind the series. And uh, the thing I liked about it is that, like, I f- I really felt like it was a it was something that uh, wasn't being done in American comics. That it was like a a niche that needed to be filled. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so. Uh, I don't, I don't know how long the first issue took me, I, might have, I think I did that a lot faster than the second issue that I worked on, but uh, I remember being really excited, getting to, getting to do it, and I you know, wasn't really...
5: Right, well you come up to Vancouver for it. Is that right? I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah. And around the same time I was actually, uh, Ballerman had, had kind of uh, done enough profit for his needs and, and wanted to go off and do his own work, which is totally understandable. And, uh, and I was kind of scrambling around looking for another colorist because another thing that's really important to me in finding artists that could fit this unique thing was finding colorists that didn't look like every other colorist in, in the world. And it was you, Robin, that suggested Joseph.
2: Thank you, Robin. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and I've and met Joseph years before. Um, I, I, I knew you through d I think, initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, um, I, I was actually aware of your work because of Robin Bougie, who true. I'm friends with and you knew McConnell for Bougie.
1: Yeah, I met when I first started InkStuds. We went
5: for drinks at... It was after your first episode, too. Yeah, <laughs> right. Robin Bougie's uh, our pornographer friend who we're all very fond of. Yeah. <laughs> and the cinema the <laughs> <laughs> uh, Love you, Bougie. Producer of the <laughs> biblical... <laughs> Back to the Bible, producer of the biblical p- porn the coming of Jesus. Well, he's actually also the writer. Oh, the writer. He wrote that screenplay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: Bergen um, has done some stuff for Inkstuds. He did uh, the poster for the first art show that I did, oh, which yeah. was the second anniversary of Inkstuds, which is seven years ago. It's a long Four time ago. So, yeah. No
2: yeah. <laughs> No, just. Um, mm. I
5: can not remember if I, con- I, I contacted you soon after Farrell had done pages and sent you some stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was testing out on like his first two page spread mm-hmm. in there, and that's that's kind of was like, all right, well we'll do this, and then if this works out, we'll we'll hire you on. Right. And I did a couple of passes on it before it was kind of like, well, let's try a little bit more like this. Yeah, well, I remember
5: initially it was very pastel. Yeah,
2: yeah, it, I, I was kind of going a little bit in a different direction, but uh, I got reined in pretty well, and it worked out better. So,
5: yeah. Well, I feel like our, our relationship with your coloring has always been, um, I, I don't think I've ever worked with anyone who's quite as willing to try different things. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes yeah. I don't ask that of anyone, but it's... <laughs> no, I'm,
2: I'm definitely accommodating. It, it's weird too, though, because I think of it as all collaborative, it's a mm-hmm. team sport, on this book especially like we're all getting together so like if you have suggestions that I don't see like yeah let's do that and yeah and uh vice versa too like I I get to throw in ideas of mine that sometimes take sometimes don't. Now
1: have you done coloring on this scale? No. Because like I suggested because you had done stuff for Robin Bougie's yeah, calendars I've, like coloring for like Rebecca Dart and mm-hmm. other folks
2: yeah I, I previous to this I've colored like other people's line art for fun just for fan art purposes uh, Robin Bougie had hired me a couple of times to do some coloring for him and his wife and uh because colored some Sean Estee stuff. Yeah, so Sean Esty he and I collaborated on a like a just a mini comic thing that he didn't have any color for his work yet, and I was but, like, I, uh, let me color that. But it's what really appealed fun. to me
5: about Joseph working with Joseph was that he's not a professional colors, but he's an artist in his own right. who does mm-hmm. all types of work, and I'm, I don't, I, I, have a, I, have a hard time wrapping my brain around people that just color. Like I, like it, it seems like a weird, and there's fantastic colors in comics that, that just color, but. I, I feel like I have to be able to put myself in people's shoes I work with a little bit to, in hopes of treating them how I'd like to be treated and mm. if I colored I wouldn't want to just color it, I want it to be a gateway to something else.
2: Yeah, and for me too, like doing color work, um, I had had an interest in maybe doing colors for comics. Uh, I had thought about it, but I never really pursued it to, per mm-hmm. se, so it was like, um, but I was always experimenting with color and stuff in my own work. So to have an opportunity to work with uh, Farrell, especially, like right off the bat, oh, I was like, holy shit, yes, please. <laughs> Did you know Farrells work more to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big, big pain, man, big pain.
1: But you guys didn't know each other in Portland.
2: No, I, I don't even believe I had met you yet at that point, maybe. Maybe it's just like our a handshake you know, like, at a convention kind of thing. Yeah,
5: you guys but. are close to each other, you should hang out and work on We close. do now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I slept
2: with him last night. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Make me a profit baby. <laughs> I know, all the, throw I know all the people in this room because of Brandon. <laughs> oh nice. I was just thinking about that <laughs> No, it's actually really cool to be able to hang out with Farrell now in the Portland area. It's been good time, man. It is. It's yeah. Great. I'm <laughs> clubhouse. You've tattooed my body. Yeah. Uh, well, quite a few of our bodies at this point.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so Farrell, you, something I really enjoyed when you came up to work on the Prophet thing, we really we really got into it in a different way than, than, than how me and Simon were working initially, where it, it started off as like a, we watched a lot of Tom Baker, Doctor Who.
0: That's right. I, I remember that now. I yeah went up there initially and uh, I think I just, didn't I draw that cover? The cover that I did, yeah, yeah. twenty three. Yeah, I think I did that that's right. first, and I had done some sketches, and I we came up with the idea of him having a tail. Yeah, um, and,
5: and I remember that being such a kick, being like, being like, can we do that?
0: Can yeah. we like give a
5: Prophet a tail?
0: Well, my, well, I was so inspired by um, Simon's Prophet. I remember while while I was doing sketches, you were you kept telling me, like, you can make him look like whatever you want. But I had this idea in my head of like, oh, I'm supposed to make him look. Because they're all clones, it's supposed to. Their uniforms supposed to be similar, it's supposed to look the same, and then you know just have a little something different about it, like a mohawk or something. Right.
5: Oh, yeah. and the, the early, early prophet ideas that, that I discussed, I think maybe before Simon came on, was the idea of of prophets all being the same and and, and bursting through the earth. Uh, you know, thousands of them, in the first issue, and then them all turning into a second stage of Prophets where they grew into these giant monsters and the main Prophet realizing that there was a monster in its body that was going to hatch out and performing surgery on himself and stopping it to defeat the other ones. Awesome. <laughs> I done that. Mean, but I think the prophet. I think me and Simon talking about where we could go past
3: that, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it, it finishes itself as a story, you know? <laughs>
1: now going with Pharaoh with the Prophet with the tail, that collaboration, I'm presuming, is a lot different than maybe the collaboration you had with Simon, or was it pretty on? Yeah, part? it
5: was different because I mean, a lot of it with me and Simon was was also based. I mean, Simon doing a huge chunk of uh, pages too. A lot of it was was time based. Yeah, and with Pharaoh a lot of it was. Um,
0: uh, well, slower than Simon.
5: But the whole process, I, something I really I don't like to impose too much of. My style—I mean, I do sometimes, obviously—but too much of my how I want to do things on people I'm collaborating with. I want to do since I, I've always regarded as an artist as the heavy lifter in comics, and the writer is just the asshole who gets all the credit for it. And um, and so with Farrell, there was a lot less. Um, it was it was a lot more just us kind of talking it through. I and mean, there's been a lot of issues like this where we just talk it through, and then you did the panel to panel mm-hmm. and all the layouts, and it was just it was literally me just like sitting there and being like, let's do this, 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 and, and us back and forth and ideas, and then
0: you doing it scene by scene. Yeah, there was a few phone conversations where it was like, well, what if you did this? And I, I think even there was some back and forth where I came up with thumbnails, sent them to you, and then you went through, we went through them on the phone together, and you said, well, what if instead of that, this happens? And yeah, I remember
5: being really minor stuff where it was just like expanding panels larger and... Um, and
0: uh, making it better. Streamlining
1: <laughs> it, I'm curious Cooler. between the two of you because, like, I know, and don't take this personal if it comes out the wrong way, Simon. Um, <laughs> but because of like you know the breadth of work that Feral has and experience, yeah. and also because like the mass amount of respect you have for him as your peer, certainly, best bud, yada yada. Yeah, which he doesn't have for me. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. it's okay. <laughs> I, mean, it's okay. I get it. you had two comics. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: I love your Um but I mean Feral was you know, extremely accomplished cartoonists. Um, were there some trepidation in yourself of being someone that's like kinda of weary of collaboration a lot of ways, of not wanting to step on his toes too much?
5: Yeah, very much so. And I mean and, and it isn't disparaging at all Simon to say that, that Farrell is is you know, he's he's been doing comics a long time. <laughs> yeah. And um and, and I've been following Farrell's career since I met him when his first comic was out and um, and and I, and and I was always, I think
0: at the time, I don't know if I'd read... We worked together. What's that? We met together when we worked together. Yeah. I and mean, we were both introduced to each other's work at the same time. Yeah,
5: yeah. Um, but I don't think, I I was trying to remember if I'd read your Marvel book, Omega, by the time when you started Profit.
0: That, I hadn't done that yet. Okay, interesting. Because, yeah, because I would... I mean, you'd read it when we started Profit, but when we met, I hadn't... Well, oh yeah, think.
5: no, I just mean on um, Profit, because I, when we went into it, I was very... Um, the Farrell's done a lot of comics and and I'm always like, Did, did you write it? Because Farrell's writing is, is one of my favorite things about his work and everyone and was, check out the Wrenchies. Oh yeah, and his <laughs> wrenches just came out, which is Love. really exciting. And um, and whenever you would work with with writers, I was slightly disappointed because I was like, Oh, but Farrell's not writing it. That's just like
0: I was too. I mean what? nothing against Lethem. he's a much better writer than I am. Oh, I, 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 I wanna but, write I wanna write my own stuff Yeah. Anyway. Well,
5: the, the Lethem thing was my favorite thing that you worked with with someone else on. Um, you know, I did really enjoy... last night we were talking about... Um, I was like... Last night we were talking to Bob Shrek, and I was like, I was like, Caper, Farrell's so good that he almost made me like Judd Winnick's work. <laughs> 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 oh, whatever. We're going to edit this part out. No, we no we're keeping <laughs> <too> <laughs> it. Um, but, 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 and that's the thing, is like, so I didn't... I wanted it to be a collaborative work and that it was... Uh, not taking away from Farrell at all, yeah. and that's I think that's why the prophet with the tail, uh, very much has which is now named uh, Free John, is very much has a lot of Farrell's uh, style in it. He's kind of he's the nicest prophet. Oh, you know? okay,
3: yeah. yeah, no, that, that fits.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't
0: have uh, I wouldn't have drawn any of that stuff the same. I guess if I hadn't seen Simon's issues, which were, like, a huge inspiration to me, like, all the stuff you did with, like, even, like, laying all this stuff out, you know, his his gear out, and, you know, it's, like, I don't know, it it kind of made me excited about uh, comics in a a way I hadn't, you know, been in a while, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
3: well, I remember doing that, too, because that was, like, again, after looking at Brandon's stuff and being, like, instead of just approaching comics, like, cinematically, being, like, you can do kind of more infographic stuff, too, you can... Yeah, you know, You know, exploring the story through different, uh, you know, different storytelling methods instead of just the visual. Which mm-hmm. is, is
1: funny. With Profit, or with Feral doing a completely different take on Profit, was that the point where you're like, okay, this is going to be a whole lot bigger than you expect than you originally anticipated, or kind of expanding on what your vision was of the Profit universe?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think by the end of, by the third issue of what me and Simon were doing, it was, we knew that we were implying a lot more that yeah. was going on in the universe. Yeah. And I, I think we've even shown a lot more than I ever thought we would.
0: It seemed huge, like the world you guys have already created. Like, yeah. like well, the scale of it, is enormous.
3: I think ending it, like ending the third issue on a spread that just shows like, I don't know, like a, I don't know, like drill pods bursting up all over the universe just randomly is a really, it's a really cheap way to imply so much more to right. you you're just like, here's a picture of a city in the clouds and there's a drill pod. You can imagine what you like, <laughs> you know, so. And that's, that's been a big
5: part of the profit writing style is us hoping that the reader's excited to think about what is going on beyond what we're telling them. Which yeah. I, I know yeah. it certainly didn't it didn't make friends with some
3: readers. Yeah, but I like the idea of people putting a bit of themselves into it and doing a bit of the work. Yeah, Just like, you know, leading, leading them towards a path that doesn't exist, I guess, and be like, "Hey, hopefully you can think of, uh, yeah, think of what's ahead here."
1: Now, with Farrell's issue, the one that uh, Bergen um, the third hmm. uh, <laughs> colored, um, the palette was really specific, mm-hmm. and it was really different for the rest of Farrell's work. Um, and that choice of that palette was the purposeful choice
2: on that. Uh, well, part of that was kind of keeping with the flow that Richardman. Uh, Richard Ballerman had already like just call him Ballerman. Ballerman, yeah, <laughs> he he will appreciate that. Idea. Okay, uh, yeah, the uh, the flow that he was already kind of going for, in a way, I was trying to match it a little bit without departing too far from it, and yeah, Brandon was, uh, yeah, very instrumental too about taking me back a little bit further than I was going if I was going in certain directions. He would help do some color roughing as well on that stuff. Um yeah, that was, that was a big influence. But
5: so early on I was so into the idea of like, we have to make this darker and gritter and darker. And it's funny because that's
2: let up so much yeah. over the course of the series. Which I like. I, I like that it kind of has... Gone the other direction into more colors, which right. is where I was trying to start. <laughs> well, yeah, we just, we just needed to sit there. We yeah. just needed to slowly. Let them go through their awkward goth phase.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
5: So, um, and, and going through this, I'm, I'm flipping through the issue now that uh, the, the first Feral issue that we started, And it was fun to also see the issue starts almost with, with Farrell doing a, like a cover of Simon's beginning of an issue with uh, oh, yeah. with Prophet waking up and, you know, stimulating his nerves with the uh, uh, what's it called? Ampa, Mike Kane and uh John Prophet is awake. And um, there's a lot of stuff in here, like the the brain mothers first came out in this story. Yeah. And I didn't realize until later that I was like, oh okay, I got that idea from Ixer One, a Japanese cartoon, that starts with a giant baby and a ball and eventually ends up this 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 like gross adult woman monster which is some weird commentary on Japanese relationship with women and their animation
0: <laughs> and the space babies oh so the space, yeah the, so yeah. we have these um, and a healing pool, sorry everybody and the healing, and pool. A healing. <laughs>
5: and- <laughs> but we have the, the, the neonat the neonat star skin which is in me and Farrell discussing it is only referred to it as jelly baby because we were watching Tom Baker, Doctor Who constantly eats <laughs> jelly babies um, I'm trying to remember what episodes we watched when you came up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe oh, was We watched Ark in Space.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, the one where they show up and there's just... This is a very profit episode of Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> <laughs> or that's, a good, that's a good uh, good run. Yeah, yeah.
5: Um, so that one is basically the Doctor Who... Have you guys seen this one? It's a Doctor Who episode where um, Tom Baker shows up on a uh, space station that this, this arc that basically humanity has been destroyed on Earth, Earth's unlivable, and in the space station they've just like... Um, all frozen themselves for like a thousand years, and um, and they open up the pods to wake up the 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 sleeping in- inhabitants of Earth. And an insect has been eating them while they're asleep—a giant space insect. <laughs> <laughs> so just like an insect that was like a full belly just falls out. It's like
0: oh god. <laughs> <laughs> some, of them, some of them like turn into insects. Too, yeah. Or, yeah. To, to like one his. guy has like a green hand. And he's like hiding in his pocket. Yeah, like I don't know what's next hand. Well, I like I like too the uh, set design in that episode. Yeah, particularly like everything's white and like it's very cold. And um, cold, yeah. Hallways that they
5: run down. Which and and, and your issue that your first issue that you guys did was very much just like uh, reflective of that of him just like waking up and having to go down all these cold hallways. You know, for while he's getting beaten by radiation. Yeah, he's like
0: the
2: only character through most of it. Yeah. Yeah, there's that, this kind of like the, the culture that had lived within there too, like the, the, the long humanoids that had developed the baby stuff. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Always, yeah, with their dress and everything, they looked very sophisticated.
5: So. Yeah, we always talked to them, and they were basically uh, humans that evolved into French people. <laughs> 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 and they have very doesn't is very long arms. There's, there's very much a Mobius tinge in this one we've talked about. Oh, here. sure. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of crystals. That was before he passed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mobius was very uh, on the fringe of profit always in our, in our minds. Now, one of the things we've talked about before with profit,
1: um, and I know you've brought this up in interviews, you've been a part of friend, is needing to know the background behind things. So I think one of them was like how to shit in space or something.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, in space, no one can hear you shit. Yeah, <laughs> we did,
5: yeah, We talked about that great John Byrne comic right. where he <laughs> oh so yeah, there's a John Byrne Star Trek comic where he invented this horrible blowjob machine that you have to
0: shoot and poop in. It <laughs> that just must like be based on like a real thing. because this what like astronauts have to do, right? Yes. Yeah. They
5: just bring up a standard house <laughs> vacuum cleaner, take a dump in it, fill the bag, just, just launch it into earth.
0: <laughs> Dirty, dirt devil. I haven't seen this John Byrne thing, though. Um, back to collaborating. <laughs> <Sorry>. with, uh,
1: <laughs> coming up with um, backgrounds and things. Uh, yeah, no, how we... did that kind of affect what you were doing if you couldn't? Um, Logically process something.
5: Well, just having this is backwards, where Simon is, as essentially an editor on this, is, is, demands explanation of it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I have a hard time. I have a hard time with lots of like science fiction and fantasy because I'm never convinced. It's always just like, why, why does that happen? That makes no sense. So whenever Brandon would bring me something, uh, I feel like I always started negative and I was like, what? Are you, oh, come on, man what are you what are you talking about? That makes no sense. There's no a moon like that around Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like uh, you know. We can just have cell phones and what if they? That that really rained it. I don't remember. You, who did the no laser gun
5: thing? Uh, no guns was always. Well, I was I doing. I think no that guns. was. I think that was mainly Brandy. Yeah, because I, I I never like guns in my comics, mm. and a lot of that is um, think of this comics like Gunsmith Cats or whatever. They're just like so gun fetishistic that it makes me feel like. Like I, I, it I was kind of of two minds with it. it was one was either I want either would have to know guns so well to be able to do guns when they're cool and the other one is guns are stupid and I don't want to and I don't want to uh, make them look cooler I don't yeah. know you had that rule with this book
0: it's kind of cool because yeah. I feel it like limits it in a really good way you know it makes yeah. it more Conan-esque
3: well that was exactly like I remember doing I don't remember what issue it was but just doing a thing where I'm like showing panels of, of like profit troopers, like, getting ready for battle in space, and they're, like, wearing spacesuits but they all have, like, hatchets and swords and stuff, <laughs> right, and, like, right. that just feels really right, in a weird way, because well, of, like, yeah, the command.
2: Also kind of like a, a horde force, too, right? Yeah, just
3: a bunch of space, well, yeah, space barbarians. And, yeah. And the yeah. weird idea, which probably has very little logic attached to it, that
5: it's so far in the future that they've forgotten guns.
3: Yeah, mm. yeah. So, like, their giant bio-robots will, you know, shoot plasma out of their mouths, but they don't have machine guns. Yeah. Well, if you're shooting in space.
0: Yeah, it's got to have all sorts of implications, right? There yeah, must be some through kind of yeah. logic you yeah. could justify it by having it. No, we yeah. want to have
1: a handgun on a space shuttle.
5: Well, the, yeah. um, the Insula t- t- Tangram, the Starship that Prophet and the guys fly around in, it actually, uh, its only projectile thing is it, it creates this layer of ship skin, which is also connected to the Pooping. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it basically just shoots out like nets of, of pink skin on people, is the only thing that
0: it can project fire. And it also works as like uh, creating spacesuits for them. Yeah, and it's also
5: how they communicate with each other because we have no radio, so it's it's all psychic ship-skin communication.
3: Yeah, which is fun having those restrictions too. Yeah. Because it gives you, it forces you to not just take the standard spaceship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, like all the Star those, Wars or whatever. Yeah, all the stuff, like you already, you've already seen all that stuff before, so this way it's just like forcing you to Go into this weirder you know, biotech direction. Yeah, think always, outside the bun. Think outside the bun. Right.
5: <laughs> one of the other one of the other things the profit was always that that technology metal ship technology was old, old, old in profit. And if anything was like within the past like several thousand years in it, it was going to be a genetically engineered thing.
3: Yeah. Which like at first I really wanted to do. I wanted the aesthetic of all the stuff in profit to just be like. 1970s NASA and Soviet kind of space gear like that kind of like his barbarian
1: sword thing well yeah or?
3: exactly like his yeah like the, the special the Russian Spetsnaz field machete that I that I gave him and like That's like the kind of thing, thing. he use a specific
5: 19 what 60s 19, machete. 1980s 1980s machete when we're just like there's no
3: guns but this is a machete <laughs> that you can actually buy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you did buy it and I did buy it and I it cost me yeah a little bit too much
0: well, that's like Han Solo's uh, Blaster, isn't that? It's basically like a World War II, like a looter yeah. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's you know? a Mauser
3: with, like with like a piece of extra metal on it, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Which is yeah. really great.
1: No, after Farrell's issue, you did an issue. Yeah. And it's um, yourself going into the big dome for um, women with voluminous behinds. How dare you? And, um, <laughs> but
3: pert as well.
1: Bouncy behinds. Yeah, okay. Um,
5: and, and puns.
3: Well, and Profit was a big, <laughs> a big
5: part of Profit was me exercising my stupid um, uh, crutches. Yeah. I, I, I know, I, I had always gotten a very good reaction to me doing comedy in my work and me doing sexuality in my work and Profit was very actively me not doing those things. Mm-hmm. No puns there's a couple puns actually but yeah. um, I didn't work towards puns toward <laughs> live ammunition I love yeah. that one there's <laughs> yeah, some, yeah. there some puns I, I couldn't stop I specifically uh, in one of the Yanni issues I remember specifically stopped myself from do, putting a good pun in
0: there too <laughs> there's some biomass you had to leave yeah I <laughs> do um, remember what it is, but
5: yeah when I did my issue one of the reasons that I made it about the robot Jackson which was a callback to the to the original Liefeld uh, comic having a Jackson Kirby. It's a kind of tribute to Kirby, mm-hmm. to, the, to the comic artist Jack Kirby, and, um... And also
0: the character in the original Prophet, right? Wasn't there yeah, yeah, that's Yeah, yeah, that was Jackson Kirby. Oh, okay.
5: Um, so this guy is just a race of robots called Jackson, and the reason I drew it as a robot is I thought that at the time I was thinking that my style was much too cartoony to go with this kind of harsher Prophet style that I was, that I was pushing for, so I didn't really want to show
0: humans that I drew. Mm-hmm. and. Um, the last couple pages in your story man, that really yes. got me. Is that where you, we kind have really the different. giant... It's like looking at the stars, you know, doing his hands. Oh, right. Bad uh, mm-hmm. Rock,
5: one of Brad Rock's kids shows up here for the first time. Yeah. And um, and then uh, he looks at the universe, all these different places he'd gone. And they're all real, uh, almost all the things I mentioned are, are
0: um, uh, constellations. Well,
5: well, it's weird because prof, writing profit has always been a mix of, of doing a lot of research and trying to find real space things that exist, and doing a lot of reading of Rob Liefeld comics and pulling those. So like this one has like, um, it says New Decay, and Decay is the name of, uh, of one of the planets in the Liefeld comic, and Arcadia and Acura. There's a, there's a whole story of Liefeld um, naming things after things on his way to work and cars that he drove and everything. So Acura, that Acura planet is is uh, named after of of the, of the car. car. Um, so a lot of these are just just uh, trying to make nods that, and, and Bad Rock's child being in here, just nods of like, oh, this is the same universe in the initial original prophet who just moved so far beyond in, in time but these planets are still there.
1: There's one panel in that story that always sticks up to me. It's the one where you have the robot, and you see the uh, image of a man yeah. in the robot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
5: Oh, right, the uh, kind of, of, kind the of like game. color silhouette. Yeah, right. the lonesome... Uh, the Tell lonesome me about lonesome. that one. Oh, Jefferson, spelled an X. E-Efferson, uh, is another uh, Jackson robot that... Uh, a lot of the Jackson robots were invented by Old Man Prophet, the character when he left the Earth Empire and created his own army, and he had these Jacksons that were created as as, as, as robot armor living thinking robot armor for his prophet clones called free John to travel inside of. And so they were birth bonded with their, um, with their prophets, and this guy has just woken up from going to sleep soon after his birth bonded prophet had been killed while inside of him. So it's him kind of remembering that death that he experienced inside of him and having not coped with it yet. It's very different for you. It is, and, and it was interesting because a lot of people assumed that there was still a dead body inside of him. Hmm. But it's the idea It was just the memory? Yeah, it's just the memory.
0: I kind of assumed that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's just a, a... So what did he do? Did he
5: eat the body? He didn't even eat... He, 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 they normally eat it. <laughs> is a big part of profit, and that's kind of the respectful thing to do, is to eat something. But uh, he, he just dropped it off and, uh, and left, because he was so strong. So, I mean, a lot of that's just me trying to... Um, get into the heads of these weird characters that aren't humans and aren't uh, around Earth, even. Yeah, so upset you can't even eat the corpses, brother.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> then, after that, is when you brought Yanni on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I actually we brought Yanni in earlier, but uh, I was working on mine and Yanni's at the same time. And Yanni was a guy who I, I was I even reluctant to bring on initially because he was so cartoony and so manga influenced in his style. But um, I'm really glad... I'm really glad we did. Um, and, and he was the guy that me and Simon both knew. Um, yeah. And Simon had to tell you how to pronounce his name?
3: No, no. I think it was actually on a Skype call when you and me were both, I think. I no, right was originally the, told by the guy who does
5: the writer of Spira, the oh. pronunciation of his name. And I think I actually just, like, ignored it and continued to call him. I was calling him Giannis. Giannis yeah. and Milo. But it, it's Milo, Milo, Gianni. There you go.
3: Yeah, I remember hearing him like John, I was down in Calgary, in own, be I was in Calgary and you were in Vancouver, and Yannis yeah, was in Athens, and like yeah. being a, we were all on Skype together. Me and neo nice Athens. Yeah. Yeah, Athens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> him being like,
5: just like the musician Yanni. And we're all, all like, like, oh yeah, okay. I'm I'm just just <laughs> like
3: I, I don't really the, the musician. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the equivalent of being like ish. Michael Bolton,
5: ish. just like Michael Bolton. name Steve. Yeah, and 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 the guns came up. Uh, in Yanni's initial uh, spread, because he he has all these different versions of Prophet, and one of them had a gigantic, he had the big muscle Prophet with a huge cannon on his shoulder, and uh, and I was like, I, I don't want to have any guns in this. Can you just make that like a squid that vomits acid? And and that was an idea of of something being interesting by just being like, we can't use this. What's another? Um, and and it was because we planned out the whole issue of, of having, it was like a fake out of the readers where we're like, let's show this, where we've already done the Simon arc, you follow these guys, we've done the Feral arc, you follow this guy. This one we're starting it uh, where you're following these guys, but they're not really the guys that are their hero of the story who shows up and kills them at the end of the story. And I think a lot of people read that and were just like, I like these guys, you killed them. But, um, and it was interesting to read because at first out as a, a trade, a lot of people thought the guy who was the hero of the whole story was we were setting it to be the villain, mm-hmm. which is also an interesting way to do it because that puts a weight on you to make him likable past
0: people not liking him. <laughs> at, at the end of that issue, he puts on the the headband thing? Was oh, that yeah. an actual edict from the one the one thing they said to, oh, yeah, to yeah. include in...
5: Yeah, at some point, several issues in, uh, Stevenson contacted me and said, uh, can you bring back the, the prophet mask? And so we came up with an idea for why it would work in the story again and, and Old Man Prophet wears it as a guard
3: against psychic attack. I remember you balking at it Simon You're like
5: why
0: would they want that? <laughs> <laughs> like are you serious? Yeah well because it's like a kickboxing
3: max, mask kind of in the original one I was just like what? what? Why would you do this? <laughs> yes, I was mean, um, But
5: yeah. Yeah and this first trade also has a, has a backup by Emma Rios who uh, is an artist out of Spain I'm very excited about her work. Pretty deadly. Yeah, and it's good art too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember much about the coloring of those of those initial? Yeah, <laughs> um,
2: well, I was coming off of uh, doing Ferrell's to do Yanni's stuff. Right, because I kind of my issue. Yeah, so again, I was trying to like follow that flow through, um, with uh, from Fallerman's work to Ferrell's work to Yanni's, and. Yeah, so I was was rendering a little more than I usually might have and then you kept bringing me down from there, like maybe less, maybe less, and uh, yeah, that first issue with Yanni I felt like I was really struggling to find how to color his stuff and just switching gears so rapidly from Farrell's art to Yanni's, they're like so different, Um, but I think the color palettes kind of worked similar because that first one's pretty well muted as Mm -hmm. well, Um, And yeah, I think I was about 10 pages in before I really started to get um, what might look better with Yanni's stuff. Yeah, and it
5: changes pretty dramatically by the time we get to the next issue of Yanni's stuff.
2: Yeah, totally, where like by the time I hit that next issue I was kind of like, this is probably more how it should be.
1: And that's when you put the mask on the cover.
2: Yeah, which was a failed cover,
5: right? It was my fault. Because I wanted... That was... It, I was, it was kind of... I'm, I'm excited about Risk, and that was a, a Risk that didn't quite work out, because the idea was that it was going to be a, like, oh, now the main character, or now one of the major characters in this book is wearing a mask. Like, here's a mask for everyone at home to wear, and you cut it out and wear it. But um, it printed too small to do that. And, <laughs> and even in the inside credits, we all had photos of ourselves wearing the mask. <laughs> Yeah, I was really yeah. impressed by Simon's Another movie. Highlight of the job. Man. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, th- and this is the one we brought Die Hard in, which was there. I got a kick out of every time. We were just mm-hmm. like, look at this guy, and here's an old nod to the other stuff. And it's funny because some of the people have been like, why didn't you just create a new series? And it's just like, well that wouldn't have been fun and we would have never
0: done it. Yeah, it made yeah. it so much more exciting to, for some reason, to take this old series mm-hmm. and have the com- characters be completely different, but it's like still the same person. You yeah. know, so, you know. And I think Love maybe
5: that. maybe for me and Ferrell, certainly for me, it was very therapeutic because I'd done comics through the '90s when they were happening, and and uh, these were not com these were the things that ruled comics at that time. And I was like, I want to do manga, and so to do these comics in in my way mm-hmm. with my with my friends is what to say excited about. Even so.
0: some of the little in jokes, you know, like I'm, I don't know, if people even get some of the stuff, but right. like just re you know, looking through the issues and. Yeah, seeing the little things that you know that we we kind of knew about. Yeah. Pretty. great. Yeah, like, what, we're, what would be a good example? Well, just like on my page, oh, on one of my pages, um, just like him, like uh, when he's there's a shot of the guy running and like, like to have Simon had all the gear laid out in front of him. Like uh, we had it set up to where like I had drawn like the gear like kind of outside with like arrows pointing to all the pouches. Yeah. And uh, I think Brandon pointed that out to me. He's like, "Oh, that's good. Like you know." Just, people would give Rob Blyfield a lot of shit for having all the pouches and it's like we're actually showing what's in the yeah. pouches, you know, little well, things like that which, you know, apparently probably are a big deal, but it kind of is exciting to <laughs> <for> me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Is there something about like, um, the contrast of working on property like this, which is identif- identifiable but doesn't have like the same baggage of working on a Batman or a Superman or mm-hmm. some Marvel hero? Um, because, I mean, you're working on someone else's property, but it sounds like you guys have this excitement, which you wouldn't necessarily feel.
3: Yeah, I think it's also because there, uh, there was not really... There wasn't really any, any specific expectation, so people knew... People remembered the name and remembered the comic, but just didn't really... They didn't really know what to expect, which was like... I think they had an idea of what to expect, and we identified yeah, that I exactly. <laughs> like that gap between expectation and result. Like I don't think any of us are going to get a chance to work on something with that yeah kind of gap again, which is really cool to have had the chance to do, but sad that uh, it'll never will <laughs> <laughs> never
5: happen again. I don't know, personally, I feel like if people now, if people come into our any of our work and and like what we did on this, then it gives us even more free rein to to knock the wheels off of things because they're just like... As long as we don't put out total garbage, then people can be like, well, I'm gonna see where this guy thing goes because I liked, I trust these
3: guys now. Yeah, yeah. So you're so quick.
1: One of the the unique criticisms that folks have had about profit is,
0: Having to reread the whole thing when they get an issue. Right. That's like that's a good thing, I think. that I always like it. Yeah. I reread every time I get an issue. Like I read it like two or three times, and it's like. Yeah. I like that about it. That it like you know you have to kind of decipher it. Well, that's, mm-hmm. something,
5: that's something that I that I hold to pretty deadly as well. Which to me is like if you're charging three ninety nine on the cover, I would hope that it's more than ten minutes of reading. You know, you want to go back a couple times and, and hopefully make it worth it. Now, part of that is,
1: um, while you guys don't have a, a big idea of the
5: background,
1: you don't want to answer
5: a lot of questions in Profit. Yeah, well, it's not important to answer a lot of questions. There's a lot of really big questions, too, that I don't think are ever going to be answered. Like, like we always talk about, there's always, me and Simon are always, like, twinging on, uh, should we ever say what happened to the original Profit?
3: Yeah. And I know what
5: happened to the original Profit.
3: Yeah, but it's
5: it's completely... Irrelevant. Yeah. Well, yeah. What did happen to the <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Die Hard kills him. Oh,
3: come on, man. Uh,
5: I mean, it's not that important, but for I like the idea of, of Die Hard being this this uh, intelligence that has survived um, through huge amounts of history, and the only human face that he has to look at anymore is the guy that he murdered.
0: Wow. Yeah, that gives it a, a lot of... A lot more gravitas, but that's yeah, the thing that yeah. I
5: know
3: to write it, but I don't know. If it hasn't come up, but and it doesn't need to. Do yeah, it? like I like, I don't know I, I like that kind of relationship too between like you having backstory that you're not sharing, and then the reader making their own backstory mm-hmm. that you know is a personal event. them. And, uh, you know, so it's a subjective experience, ideally. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. for
2: asking you guys questions for, like, coloring purposes, too. Like, <laughs> I would ask a question and get, like, a, a huge answer of, like, well, there's this guy and then this, and then this follows with this, and it's like, oh, fuck, is that happening later? Like, oh, no, not really, but <laughs> but that's <laughs> what it is. Like, Hey, I but think I know been, what's going on, I think. It's been <laughs> a great talking
5: to you, too, because when you're working on this stuff, you put so much thought... I, I Oftentimes, I say that you put more thought into coloring it than any of us do into <laughs> working on it. There would be things where, like, you know, when, when we did the the um, the first kind of body city thing where Trollfer shows oh, up, yeah. and you going through... I was like, how's the coloring going on that? And you're just like, well, I've been studying how... Uh, you know how diseases look on skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I, I found uh, some good photo reference of like horrible scarred acne yeah. Um, as yeah, my my color palette for the body city. Yeah,
5: and working <laughs> working color into the story became a really big thing and 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 working with Joseph too. Like uh, like Farrell's second issue was a really good example of that I think where Farrell turned in these pages that were just insanely detailed. And, and Farrell is one of those guys who likes to talk about being like, oh, I'm so slow. I didn't turn out many pages, but they, I, you know, I defy, you know, the Island Comics to ever to to crank out monthly books that look half as pretty. You know, I mean, it's like it work. took me like six months. I know, I know, it. but six monthly <laughs> books. So, but but I mean, you turned in these pages where basically I was having a conversation with Joseph where I was like, I, I don't know if we got time to color these. There. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and He's making it all one color. Well, he'd come up with the idea that, that um, and reading the issue through, that basically, and this is when it was drawn, that um, that once the characters enter this psychic dampening field, the color
0: leaves the story. It works so well, too, for that. Like, it, it looks seems like, like, like it was intentional, it. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> and that's been a great thing about working on Profit, is that I'm working with such uh, competent, interesting people that, that us fucking up and being like, what do we do next, is where all the best ideas come from. Mm.
1: No. it seems like profits. You're making the sci-fi that you want to see. You want to read.
5: Yeah.
0: I'll say. Yeah, I don't know about that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a Do you need assignment. more dick jokes Simon. in it, Simon?
3: I want all dick jokes.
0: Okay. You, you want you want a more of like a harder edge even?
3: I don't know. I don't know. I'm still I'm still thinking about that.
0: That's. <laughs> I feel like you're the. Uh, yeah, like the most, like uh, like in the real definition of the term yeah. science fiction, like you kind of have the most like, experience doing that. Yeah, like uh, the. Like the end of the yeah. and stuff is like real science fiction to me.
3: Okay, yeah, I don't know, I, th- I guess it's just like the deep repressed nerd being like, oh, you have to have it right, it has to make uh, sense. <laughs> L- lines of causality, man. Not, like, like, not like science kind of, fantasy. Well, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, like exactly.
0: space opera kind of, you know. Speculative yeah.
3: fiction. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, profit isn't exact. Like, profit isn't, isn't exactly the science fiction I like to read. But there aren't any comics that are the science fiction I like to read. So it's, you know we're doing pretty we're doing pretty Malachi Malachi seems to be close, pretty close. Well, that okay, That's true. Imagine they're they're
5: doing a good job. They're doing a very good job. And I always felt like, uh, and there, there are guys that maybe we'll get to them more later. But there are guys that we brought in to do a lot of stuff in profit, mostly drawing um, the big uh, galactic monster things. And because in, in discovering their work, it was really an experience of me being like, oh, these are the
3: guys that should make a profit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, I, I've been slowly working with Matt uh, Sheehan on like what what might be a, a series someday. And it's been really amazing to for me to like be wrestling with some science fiction idea and then bring it to Matt and then have him come back with some crazy drawing. Like, so much better than what I was like trying to imagine. Like. Yeah, and and that's, that's a
5: big part of the collaborative scene. thing too. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: is 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 being like
5: having an idea and then having your mind blown when the when the art returns. And and that was something I always talked to Simon about about working with Yanni. Is he has a he has a really singular ability to put the serious work into the things I never expect him to. <laughs> like I'll be like, here's a, here's a scene with these three robots combined into one. Yanni's gonna love drawing this stuff. And he'll get back and that'll just be like a simple drawing and then he draws another panel where they're just walking through a hallway that he's just gone crazy on it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that part, of, <laughs> that part of working with him.
1: Now, while we're doing this talk, um, of course this is like being aired several minutes later, um, the last issue of the regular Prophet series came out. Right. Um, do you feel like you got to the conclusion you wanted of
3: that?
0: No. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, But I don't think that was possible,
0: really. Just, just the way we work. What, what is... You just need more pages in the last issue? Or well, what? we
5: have... That's why there's a mini miniseries uh, to go through from here. And, and, and I was... I'm slightly... I was reading reviews of it and I was really surprised at how positive they were. Because I was like... <laughs> I, I like it as an issue. I think these guys did amazing work. But it being the final issue is a little bit of a lie. Because we're doing... There's seven more issues. And... There's a lot more uh, things like we don't need to we don't need to sew it entirely shut, but there's things that are hanging
3: now that just didn't get addressed in the way that yeah, yeah well, but it's, it's all cliffhanger, which is kind of like it's kind of like a dirty way to end a series just on a big cliffhanger. Yeah, but you know.
1: But why make that choice then? If you say it's not done, there's stuff more issues. Why do this last issue? I'm
4: tired yeah. man.
5: <laughs> um, well, I mean, a lot, a huge amount of how profit is written is scheduling yeah. um, and I, I like it and we did really good things and I, and I think in the end it'll be one of the things I'm most proud of in my entire career but but um, I'm painfully aware that other people have that people involved in it have other things to do and that profit is not necessarily everybody's baby, I mean it's not it's not my <laughs> ideal perfect job that I'll do because I've got my own comics mm-hmm. as well and I'm, I'm really glad that it's um, been, that it's been as fun to work on and, and it's amazing, and you know, and risk has been a huge thing. And sometimes, in working on the series, I feel like there some failure issues and there's some huge success issues, and and I try to be honest with myself about what I think worked and what I think didn't work. I want to talk about Dave Taylor's issue
1: because I've got a lot of love for it, right? Uh, and I think it's one of my favorite of the storyline, not the personal bros. Um, <laughs> That's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, really I feel honored that that uh, little ghost girl thing was used so much too after that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, maybe tell folks a bit about like putting that one together because it's a lot different than the rest of the series.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of something that was really kind of before we get into that. Even there's something that was really important to me, which was to show I was really involved. I was really really interested in everybody involved in profit as uh, individual storyteller. And so it was always really important to me that we have solo issues that I don't touch, and, they, and Simon does completely his own issue, and Yanni does completely his own issue, and um, and some issues like when Ron Wimberly shows up, showed up to do Prophet. I, st- I was working with him on his issue, and it quickly occurred to me, just be like, oh, this guy's doing his own thing. He doesn't. I'm just going to go completely hands off because he's a he's a creator who I think his ability and his visibility. Are not at all in sync, mm-hmm. and and I would love to see him get a lot more attention for, for what he does. His big book is uh, Prince of Cats. Prince of Cats, which Vertigo put out and went out of print, and they didn't market, and and it's an amazing book. It's something that like you know I would hold up as one of the one of the best things that's come out in, in recent years by far, and and it just did not hit with you know I mean I'll I'll take it a Rastus Paula you know I, I love that book, but. Um, so yeah, he was a guy that I that I just kind of let and he even put guns in his issue. I was like, all right, because <laughs> <laughs> that's not really my editing style when I'm not writing. And uh, and Dave Taylor issue was uh, I think it was through Ian who used to run the Mobius uh, Tumble before. Yeah, he was a right. local uh, local yeah, artist. Yeah. Yeah. Local yeah. Portlander. Right, and he's a fantastic artist in his own
0: right. Yeah. And. Um, how come he never did any profit stuff? He he did
5: you a uh, no him he did a, a three part backup with Sean Witzke writing. There's a lot of profit stuff that's going on behind this, especially the backups that are just like where I, I want it all to come together in the end, and I hope it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he, he did something that I was really impressed with that I hope we can print. <laughs> oh, you haven't printed it yet. Oh, well, he's not done with it. Yet. Oh, okay. like, uh, I missed that? Um, but. Uh, yeah, uh, so Dave Taylor was a guy who uh, read Prophet, I think he'd already seen it, and he was talking to Ian already. Ian's very, very uh, much in contact with a lot of European artists and the 2000 AD guys and everything. And, uh, and I think just because, just by being the number one source to go to for Mobius information on the internet for a while before uh, Mobius's widow or whatever uh, shut him down, uh, I'll hardly call him. Put his padlock locked in his mouth. Yeah. Um, and and he connected me with Dave Taylor, who was really excited about Profit and um, said incredibly flattering things about about it being because um, he he'd worked with Mobius and and he talked about it being the first time since Mobius that he wanted to do something that, that felt like this and uh, which was really cool and and I knew his work just through Tongue Lash, which was a um, Filthy, filthy, filthy comic. Yeah, it was almost like Maleminar and, and Mobius having a baby and Dark Horse. It was a lot filthier than Mobius had ever done. Right. It was uh and it was basically, the characters were what based loosely off of uh, off of Mobius. One of them was based off of like kind of a guy in a bondage mask that Mobius had drawn in his and his uh, uh, what's that book? Angel Claw. Yeah, Angel Claw book he did Chagurasi. And um,
1: The one that he drew Madonna in as well.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. Virgin. <laughs> um, anyway, so I started talking to to Dave about the idea of him doing something in profit and, uh, and and some, something that profits really uh, been exciting for me. For is there's been a lot of artists who who I feel like this is like Simon. It's like this is his like early, still is very much his early work. And and Yanni is still very much there. And Dave Taylor, it's like he's had a career. This is like his like. Fun time, and I think Phil Barlow doing covers, mm-hmm. uh, and, his, and his wife Helen, and, and bringing in these guys that were basically like uh, the generation before me of, of creators who I was looking at I mean, to come back and, and show me how it can be done, you know. And, and Taylor contacted me, and Dave was like, um, I want to draw sexy ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he have a dream about it, about doing profit with you? It came to that was to later, me? but yes, he uh, he had a dream that he said uh, he sent he sent me a very uh, excited email because uh, Helen Mayer's cover that she'd done for the Diehard issue actually, um, which I really love as a cover. And it printed very dark, and, and a couple of people have said to me like, I printed really dark. I don't I love all the profit covers, but I don't know about that. But it's like it's. It's a beautiful cover, and in a lot of ways, it's like a cover that <laughs> emphasizes how I feel about Prophet, where it's like, you can tell what's going on there, but you got to look. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, and he'd seen that cover. I sent it to him uh, before it came out, and he was like, I just had that dream. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and Dave's a really interesting, fantastic guy, and he's coming from such a totally different uh, spiritual uh, way of looking at the world than I mean, me. I'm, I'm really. Uh, You know, uh, you know, we're all these biological processes that are going to die, and that's it. And and he does not think that way. (laughs) (laughs) And and I appreciate it. Um, And yeah, and so something that I always fought was the idea of of having these, of having, you know, a lot of him was people had expected from doing tongue lash to that they wanted, uh, you know, lady artwork from him, uh, beautiful women drawn by him, and and I'd always fought it, and and I was like, well. Maybe how can I work with it? I was much more lax about profit at that point. Yeah. And we had the Brain Mother characters that were already in there, and, and so we came up with the idea of the Brain Mothers uh, of doing a story from the point of view of one of these Brain Mothers basically, like, felt like trying to humanize Hitler or something. Like, let's, let's, <laughs> let's you know, give, him a, give him a lover and all this stuff, and there's a lot more Ixer1 uh, influence on that issue, too. Now, one
1: person really curious about, um, who you've tried to kind of respect their work in the extreme Universe um, is um, Alan Moore's contributions right, to, the, right, right. to the to the legacy um, in a time where a lot of people were kind of like poo-pooing his, um, Oh you mean Alan Moore specifically his yeah. work with, LIFO? with Well with LIFO I was just thinking just like a lot of like the backlash at that time from like mainstream comic writers about like Alan Moore having a legacy in mainstream comics, and you specifically acknowledging that in how the characters were developed.
5: Yeah, well, Alan Moore working with working within the Extreme Universe and working for Image Comics is, is um, some of my personal favorite Alan Moore work. And, uh, and, and also, while Prophet was going on, it was really interesting, because that was when a lot of Before Watchmen stuff was going on, which I was very loud about. And uh and and Moore's a guy who I really respect as a as a as a as a, as as an a wizard. As a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's possibly my favorite comic huh? book wizard. Um but I mean even the way that he talks about wizardry, his wizardry is really interesting <laughs> because he's he's honest about it, yeah. at least. And he'll be he'll talk about um you know, you ask him, you know, you use interviews to ask Alan Moore what's magic? And he'll be like, talk about how um you put a curse on someone, and basically, like, if you speak ill of somebody, that hurts them. And it's basically like, it's 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 calling gossip magic. <laughs> mm. It's um, it's going with this like British history of what of what it means in that, and and I don't know, maybe selling it with a twist, which isn't always my favorite thing, but um. but I don't know. Yeah, I mean Moore's. it's something interesting about Moore's work in relation to profit. Is is I was really fascinated to research what he had done, because I was like, I, can, I, I have a chance to stand on Alan Moore's shoulders and see what I can do with it, and his take on Leifeld's universe was almost completely useless to me, because he's going at it from such a totally different, uh, it's like, in Prophet we were going at it with the idea that essentially mankind isn't very important to the universe, mm-hmm. and, and Moore was going at it with the idea that mankind was not only important to the universe, but completely controlled the universe. Like, uh, he explains Leifeld's universe existing the way it is because a teenager gets a hold of a book that gods made before humans existed and rewrote it to be his power fantasy. And which uh, was hilarious. But uh, it was in the um, uh, Judgment Day series. Which was really funny. At one point I actually wanted to write a series that was Judgment Day. It was like a Rosencrantz and gillenstein uh, Judgment Day that was all happening in uh, Supreme Citadel. Behind the scenes of all this this court case was going on that they wrote about in that series but um, yeah I don't know I mean it, it's interesting to be and, and, and Moore had plans for Profit himself he initially was going to do Profit before ABC got sold to um, was it or whatever happened I think what it's
1: happened? just um, Liefeld just stopped publishing comics
5: right right well before before it went belly up he had plans to no. to do his own version of Profit which turned into um, Tom Strong essentially yeah Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he was going
1: to do a... Glory um, was Promethea. Yeah. Youngblood was top ten. Yeah, oh, wow. I had
5: no idea. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he, he it was a very different take on profit than, than ours. Yeah. i was just exciting to see. And, and it would have been really cool to see, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad he didn't because that would have been another thing to do. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, 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 think, I think profit would have meant a lot it would have changed the name of Prophet if Alan Moore had done it. Is that we wouldn't be going from Super Soldier Prophet would be going from Super Soldier to Adventure Prophet to you know Space Barbarian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. Was that was that where you're going with that, that line of question? I was thinking also
1: like Suprema.
5: Oh right, right. There's a lot of that stuff. Yeah, Suprema was uh, a lot of characters showed up in Prophet that I that I always <laughs> space about. Yeah, Yanni the Yanni had an issue where. Uh, Suprema. Uh, so Alan Moore Suprema is basically like. Uh, what is it? It's basically like a 1950s Supergirl that is very prim and proper and is never advanced with time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we push that into this future version where she's gotten so prim and proper that she now runs this, like, ast- the interior of an asteroid and is, is developed into being a crystalline being who. Uh, controls all of the mental uh, urges of this and all, all of the several races that live in this pod. And uh, it's basically just like a crazy person. And they go in there and have this, um, the, they have to have this super controlled tea ceremony with her uh, to even communicate with her. And she's super angry behind her, behind her, uh, in, her in the back of her mind. And uh and probably can hear her while they're yeah. trying to have this polite tea ceremony is there for, to ask for help because her daughter, uh, which was called um, Lady Oh in, in Prophet her we don't never say come out and say this, I don't think. Maybe we do. Uh, Lady Probable is what she's called in Prophet, which is um, oh, probe is Supreme Suprema's daughter. Is named Probe which is a, a weird name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's something else when you hear
3: the word pro. Yeah,
5: well, the, the other nod about that is that um, that issue where Lady Pearl first shows up is... Um, there's an old profit issue, which is kind of the joke profit issue we always throw around, it, where it's um, the Babe Watch issue. And what was happening then is Liefeld basically had a thing. I don't remember the story, the reason for the storyline. Somebody cursed someone where everyone they'd ever met that was just like a hunky dude turned into a sexy lady. And it was Babe Watch, and the month was Babe Watch, and everyone was like a sexy lady. And so Prophet Babe Watch is like a, is like a sexy, thong-wearing Joan of Arc, which is very much not quite how Joan of Arc story went down, she yeah. was passing as a dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so uh, Lady Pro Babel's is part of a, a, a woman army, which I called the, I think it's the Babel High, the, it's, it's the, name, the first name for a clock. Like one of the earliest clocks that mankind ever made in Europe was what it meant after, they the woman army. So it's essentially that. That's me doing a, a really subtle pun where it's babe watch. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And, uh, I, just, that, I mean,
1: I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Very subtle. If <And>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can see the look on Simon's face right now,
3: yeah. <laughs> Simon knew Does all Does not this. approve. Okay. No, I was I was there the whole time. he just had the knife in my throat, I was like, "No, oh, this is great." <laughs> and also, the amount of penises
5: we've worked into profits. Yeah. One of the things and is you had penises. A, you had a naked knife fight, both in profit and multiple warheads in yeah the same yeah. month. And I don't think that might have just been me not thinking about how it was weird to put out two naked knife fights at the same time. Now, um, the, the next thing you guys have coming out, which I think
1: first it should probably be out by the time we air this, is the strike file.
5: Right. Although the knife fight brought up the idea of the uh, the, the pleasure johns, which is interesting to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, how old are they? Uh, you know, it's in the future. that not even born, yeah, you know, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically the idea is... Uh, Oh, also, gonna addy, Yanni hides Old City Blues clues throughout Prophet all the time. Blues clues, blues clues. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a there's an issue where uh, they're on Troll's moon, and uh, and rainice the lizard character, uh, the lizard assassin character, finds this orb, which is a, a shot of old old young blood before when Troll and and Die Hard and 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 uh and Shaft. and Shaft were all part of it, and. Um, <laughs> and next to it just in case Probe wasn't obvious enough of yeah. a name well and, and it's, so it's all this um, it's all these like he's, he's, he's held all these treasures of the universe there and back there there's just an Old City Blues issue too <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of little things like that that, that uh, you know you put in there and I think he had a contest at one point where he was like find the Old City Blues references to profit. and I was like motherfucker I didn't know they were <laughs> but he also
4: puts Prophet references
5: yeah, yeah, I like that, too. Yeah, he has an old yeah. man prophet at one point just walking around New Athens. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, so a lot of prophet was me and Simon researching ancient armies. And yeah. in ancient armies, there was a lot of uh, sexual congress between the younger and older soldiers. Yeah. And a big thing of prophet is... A big thing with prophet, is, um, thing with prophet is, has always been us trying to reinterpret... Um, this future society and this future world, not on our own ideas, but um, on modern ideas, but on what actually would work in this future society for our understanding. And so there are uh, with everyone's clones. There's there's clone prophets and, and aliens that are there to have sex with people. And we brought in a romance, which was this character.
0: Show me your pretty gill sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those sexy aliens. Yeah. Um,
5: and we have a lot of things in Prophet where it's like, ha ha, we're going to do this, and it wasn't a thing. Nobody cared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it
3: was at the time. It felt real good. It was like, <laughs> yeah. Look who we got in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. There's, I remember there's one, one of the issues that isn't collected yet. I think it went to print too, where like one of the Prophet characters has like a three pronged wiener that you that one you drew yeah that one i drew I yeah, just yeah. Kind of it's, put it there. and it's, it just kind of is that it
1: a trifurcated
3: penis yes yeah yes. it's
5: actually it's the character's name is actually long john yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, the, that's he's that's the, <laughs> the prophet that grew up on the moon with lower gravity so he's taller and skinnier and he has a trifurcated dog yeah and somebody somebody wrote on the internet asking me like oh this is really weird why does this character have three cream penises and i answered them because simon roy <laughs> yeah
3: yeah i mean i, I have a, i have an explanation no, but it's I mean it was it's I'm not gonna uh, Claire was involved in No, it's actually just Claire Gibbs' fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you no,
5: know, Claire Claire introduced the idea of trifurcated, bifurcated geniuses to us.
4: I did, yeah. yeah. I had that honor.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great thing about something I always talk about in comics that I really enjoy is you have to learn things constantly to continue working <laughs> on these things. And sometimes you learn horrible things. Sometimes it's us just sitting around and being and our good friend Claire just being like yeah, yeah, just at one moment she's talking to us about movement trolls, and the next second she's just like, you bros want, you bros want to see something cray-cray? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe how you, that's how you worded it at the time. Yeah, yeah it like,
4: sounds
1: like penis. Oh. Oh. the obsession with bifurcated penises?
4: It's not an obsession,
2: I just... More of a hobby.
1: You know, <laughs>
2: I, wanted to, I wanted to make them, I think I wanted to make them comfortable, and then they're most comfortable when I'm <laughs> when bringing up something that's more disgusting than... What they're talking about. Oh, <laughs> so it probably like started with some discussion about like, I don't know what it would have been, like infected Prince Albert,
5: so like some... It came from somewhere.
2: And I would have been like, I've been like, well, that's not as bad as a bifurcated penis. And then I remember just being shocked that you guys didn't, didn't know about bi- penis bifurcation. We don't
5: really traffic in
0: penis bifurcation. Is that well, I
2: don't, I wouldn't say I traffic in it. Is that when Prince Albert it.
0: rips out? and? No, no it has a, nothing a to do with a Prince Albert. That was a or they just just start to speed down the middle okay yeah a it's, uh, Well, like
3: like when you cook a hot dog in the microwave
5: yeah. and
0: it, like yeah yeah you know like I've heard that happening uh, to a guy. He, he had a sk- skateboarding accident, and everyone called him a flipper afterwards because right. he never. got Well, to take he might care. have been the first.
2: It might have been an accident. The first one might have been an accident. People saw it. They were like, "That looks good." <laughs> it's, <laughs> a,
3: it's a purposeful <laughs> thing.
5: It's and make, functional. It?
2: Yeah, I don't get. But it's not like what can you do with two halves? <laughs> what of can a, you do with a broken? <laughs> <engine?
4: laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, Simon's giving the wrap-up signal. Oh, he no. doesn't <laughs> want to talk. About it. <laughs> Barely started. Um, <laughs> I think he's starting to cry. Close. <laughs> yeah. Um, Is there anything too dangerous for profit? Too disgusting? No. No. There's not probably a lot of things that we
5: stay away from in profit just for. Uh, I always say I'm, I'm very much a comfort-based writer too. Like I don't want to. I'm not here to hurt the reader. Like I, I complain about like um, there's certain writers in comics that that I complain about being like. Like, they are asking you to pay $3 so they can hurt your feelings, and that's not... And, and something else we just talked about is how exciting it is to have a relationship with the readers of Profit, how cool it is, how much a lot of people have you kind of taken this on.
0: Yeah. That is, the, like, one of the best things about it to me is that, like, I mean, you guys were... I don't know if you were, like, joking about my huge body of work, but I don't, I don't think I've done that much stuff, but uh, this is definitely the most, like, immediate feedback I've gotten from, like, anything I've done. It's like when I was working on profit, like people actually emailed me nice. like, while I was working on it and said, like, oh this is great, you know. That's what made me like realize. Like, I think people have kind of been waiting for something like this, you know. Yeah. Some people have, you know. <laughs>
5: exactly. <laughs> anyway, exactly. Yeah, something we talk about a lot is is like there are people that grew up on a certain type of comic and want to see a little bit more progression in that. And hopefully profit is um, I, I, I remember reading a thing that uh, Warren Ellis wrote about about profit. It was merely just being like these guys. Just so you know, these guys aren't doing anything new. Um, they're just taking these old '70s tropes and uh, and reworking them. But and well, the thing is, in my mind, I mean that that's fine. And I don't. I'm not like being like, hey guys, we're doing something new. But in my mind, doing exactly what he said is doing something new. Mm-hmm. Because we've never done those. There's nothing new, anyway.
0: I mean, what are you gonna do that's new? I mean, it's like everything's been done. It's just like the way you. But but hopefully, personal interpretation together. makes something new. Exactly. It's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we
5: have a friend, Lashawn Thomas, that we, me and Farrell, um, uh, met around the same time, and as we met each other, and he's a guy from the Bronx who wanted to do Japanese animation that appealed to his background more than anyone else, and just. You take a black kid from the Bronx and have him put out Japanese animation, that is new, that is entirely new, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's unique, and, 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 and in that way, I think Prophet is aiming to do something new and, and something that challenges us as much as the reader, hopefully.
2: Well, it's one of the first books, too, that I've seen that have had a roster of artists that kind of rotate mm-hmm. and come through. Because as a reader growing up with comics, that was always my biggest fear, is then taking the artist that I liked off of my book. Yeah. <laughs> and, but this one, it's almost like, oh, I can't wait for this guy to come back around, yeah. uh, because I know he's coming back around. And that, that's really exciting for the And that, that's me. a
5: really, that's, that's both a really cool and also a really yeah. flattering thing that people want to come back around
2: yeah. Yeah. And, well, it's not like, you know, oh the relationships ended. It's like, oh, we're just waiting for that storyline to come back through again. Yeah,
5: and, and the idea that everybody that works on profit uh in the main storyline and the storylines is essentially like this is their this is their their character, their drawings, view of the universe. It's not mm-hmm. we're just not switching art styles for some arbitrary reason. It's that there's that the, you know, when Farrell draws a prophet, it's a sunnier universe and things are a little bit... You know, it's a nicer prophet, so it a little nicer. Yeah. And, and when I draw a prophet, everyone's made a bubblegum because the robot's crazy or whatever. And
2: I always said Farrell has the most pride in his... The, the yeah. prophet that he draws seems to be, like, the proudest of the prophets.
5: Yeah, and it comes yeah. through in stuff, And it's great having the, like... And this is something I got from reading a lot of science fiction is, is how when you have... Um, multiple stories going on at the same time, when they finally meet up, it feels like a, a massive crossover event. It's super exciting. And, and that, that was kind of the, like, not to speak disparagingly of the, of the last issue, but that was, that was the part of the last issue that I felt like was the best closure that we could deliver at that point in the story, was showing all of us, or a lot of people having Yanni, Farrell, Joseph, and, and Simon, and everyone just kind of draw each other's characters together for the mm-hmm. first time.
3: Yeah, that's and, fun. Uh, and
5: and I tried to pull it back emotionally in some ways too. Like Yanni had uh, Old Man Prophet and Pharaoh's Prophet with Tale shaking hands the first time they met, and I was like, No, they don't really care. They let's not have them really acknowledge each other here because that's something that's um, down the road. We've got we've got things to discuss still. We've got mm-hmm.
2: Earth War. Well, yeah, even to that scene I felt like there's skepticism from Old Man Prophet. Just like, yeah, really I oh, don't know. They kind of mad dog each other more than they do like, oh,
5: cool, we're buddies now. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it, it, it is important to not turn it in. There's a, there's a thing that sometimes I see people do where they, they turn work that they've done themselves into personal fan fiction, where they're just like, oh, I've loved these characters so much, I don't want to ever hurt them.
0: It's uh, called Handering. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the Phantom Menace or whatever. It's this new Star Wars, right. you know, it's like, oh, let's have all the uh, what, what? all the Boba Fett's be all like, related. Do you feel like that. Boba Fett as a yeah. child? Oh, yeah. Is the comedian that did that? Stormtroopers, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Pet Nozzle.
5: Do you like Darth Vader? <laughs> He's mostly just sad. <laughs> I'm just going kind to of butcher this poor comedian's work. I love that. You're a big, big Angelina Jolie fan, you think she's sexy? Here's a photo of John Boyd's balls. <laughs> <laughs> what I, I like about
0: that, though, what you were saying about you know, them all meeting each other, I, I pointed this out to Brandon, and, and uh, there's a, a, a page in there, I see. one of Yanni's pages, where he like, said, oh, looks like we have a new arc. And I didn't even realize that was like the name of the, the team. Yeah, like when all team. I thought it was arc. like a joke about like, oh, we have a new story arc. Like, <laughs> like okay, a new thing. You know. don't, don't give it to him.
5: Simon already gave me shit because the issue ends like uh, this isn't over yet, and he's like, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say this isn't over yet before your ad for the fucking miniseries. <laughs>
0: I don't know if you guys noticed on the uh, the last page I drew in the last issue, uh, or uh, it wasn't the very last page. It was like third page in or something, but. Uh, I have the old man prophet and uh, Free John. Mm-hmm. They're kind of in the same pose oh, as yeah, they're yeah, running. Yeah. They're both going. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's doing, giving the same command to him in the in the front. But nice, yeah. I don't know. And, if that's, and that's something I'm, enough,
5: I'm excited to explore. In the next arc is the idea of um, of how Farrell's uh, prophet with a tail and old Gianni's old man prophet are essentially the same dude, but it's like it's like. Partially, in flaws of me as a writer, and <laughs> has been like, I've always felt like Old Man Prophet is me trying to write Nausicaa and failing. Like, is an amazing series, and it it's is. about this, like, yeah. so the, the this, character, character. Yeah, this character basically revolting against her uh, kind of human uh, world and in favor of, of life in general. And, and I feel like that's what Old Man Prophet does, but he accidentally trashes everything while he does it. And, <laughs> yeah. and so Farrell's probably the Tale is, 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 my idea of him as a character now is basically he's a more successful Old Man Prophet. And I think Old Man Prophet's realizing that. Hmm.
1: So next up, Strike File.
5: Yeah, next we're doing a series of two issues called Strike file which I was told recently I mismarketed because I told everyone like oh it's just like a Marvel DC comics who's who? and it's not that it's because um, those are fine and everything but but uh, we have a lot of things to explain that don't work into the story as we talked about and so two of the uh, there's two each issue has a large short story in it that Simon wrote both of. Um, first one is illustrated by By Tim Wilkins or Grim Wilkins, and colored by Matt Sheen and Malachi Ward, and it's the history of the Earth Empire. Yeah. For 10
3: pages. Yeah, and then the second one is the history of. It's drawn by Matt. It's drawn by Matt Sheen and Malachi Ward, and colored by them, too. Right. Um, But it's about. I'm trying to. See, this is one of those things, too, where where we've been writing it, we have, like, very confusing terminology that we even use in conversation. So now I'm like, what do I say to, like, what will the reader know? Right.
5: Essentially the, uh, red, the red egg, the red menace.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like how, basically it's a history of how uh, a piece of a crystalline being from another universe fell into our universe and uh, started to try and replicate itself using like life forms in our universe and how that went terribly, terribly wrong over Nine billion years. Oh, right. So it's a little ambitious, <laughs> uh, maybe.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then the other pages in the, and there's no backup of those because it's a, it's full front to back uh, profit.
1: And Sandra will be in there too. Yeah. yeah.
5: Sandra did four pages. Uh, Sandra Lentz. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did the. You can um, say things, Sandra. <laughs> I don't want to. She did the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, well. Uh, she did uh, uh, her own version of the. Um, of all of the Prophet tools, a lot of the Prophet tools, wow. and the dual mantle, and... Um, and Sandra's got a great technical style, and then uh, she did the cutaways of how Jacksons work, different Jackson robots, and then the Starship that little men profit Prophet used, the Insula Tangram, which is something I was incredibly impressed by her drawing. Um, yeah, really cool. Yeah, we got some really awesome. interesting <laughs> people on those ones. I actually... Um, I was a little too proud. I, I, I tracked down a uh, uh, guy who does gay furry art, a guy named Fanta. It does. It runs like a cycle hard blush to do uh, to do the the pleasure because Simon initially was like, you you got to draw this," and I was like, "Dude, I just don't. I, I, I could draw it, but I don't think my heart's as much in it. Let's you know, let's get the real deal. Let's get <laughs> you know, who really enjoys drawing a handsome young man.
3: Yeah, with womanly hips. Yeah. I don't know, You'll you'll see, reader. Yeah. You'll see. <laughs> um, and and Dave
5: Taylor's in that issue, and we've got um, uh, Bayard. Oh yeah, Joseph is in that issue. Well, didn't he do the covers? Oh yeah, Joseph did the covers as yeah. well. Um, so it's really fun to just track down, and and we got some other really exciting artists in the issue after that. Yeah. It's just basically an excuse to be like, um, and we have Jeff Darrow. Oh yeah, oh, Boy. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got like hopefully, I we haven't seen the work line, but yeah, we have Jeff Darrow. We got John McCooly. Or no, James. James Herring, sorry. Yeah. They they blend in my mind as people that work <laughs> together well. Um, yeah, so there's some really excited, exciting people um, doing these. And then we start Earth War with um, uh, Ron Atkins drawing, drawing uh, one of the story arcs, uh, Tim Wilkins doing, doing another one, and, and Yanni returning. You're not drawing
1: anything for it, Simon? Or no, it's
5: actually co-writing with me, which means doing rough layouts with me, essentially. Okay. Yeah. And Farrell's character arc is done no. solo? Or? Well, the
1: character still exists, but... He's entwined. It's, I, it's, yeah. I
0: haven't committed
5: to anything yet. Yeah. Really, we haven't really
0: no, talked no. much about that. No, no, He's
5: busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, something I'm, I'm really concerned about too is, like, Ferrell's got a lot on his plate. And so a lot of it's like, when every, time, every time he came in and did a profit, it was very much like, a, like I regard it as a huge favor. Cause he's a and Brandon's my uh, editor on the uh, island stuff now. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Okay. Secret secret new stuff. Ferrell's working <laughs> on new, uh, new prop gun wars I am I'm uh, going to push through the eye of the needle into comic book stores. Don't let it be <laughs> heavy-handed. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, thank you, all four of you, and more—six people, seven people here in the room—talking uh, <laughs> about the prophet. Um, I've really enjoyed the series so far. I'm really excited to see. Thank you, Robin. Where buyer. it goes to from here. <laughs> and, and thank, thank you, Yanni's ghost. Yes. yes. Thank, thank you, Yanni. You imagine you're hearing like pan flute in the background, yeah. <laughs> like out of the Hercules cartoon.
4: Mm-hmm.